asked Emily to come and share with us our reading of scripture this morning. It comes to us from Matthew chapter 7. As she reads, though, I want to invite you to do something. I want you to use your imaginations today. I want you to imagine yourself sitting on a big hill, a hillside with hundreds and thousands of other people. As we hear these words from Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, let's hear them for the first time. Imagine, if you will, Jesus saying these words to us. Matthew 7, 1 through 5 says, Do not judge others, and you will not be judged. For you will be treated as you treat others. The standard you use in judging is the standard by which you will be judged. And why worry about a speck in your friend's eye when you have a log in your own? How can you think of saying to your friend, let me help you get rid of the speck in your eye when you can't see past the log in your own eye? Hypocrite. First get rid of the log in your own eye, then you will see well enough to deal with the speck in your friend's eye. This is the word, for, this is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. I have a really good friend, his name is Mark, who loves to tease me about stepping on toes. See, when a pastor first gets to a church, he or she is learning a a lot in a very short period of time. The truth is, we know this is going to take a while, but we also have this feeling that we're to be a trusted leader from the very start. So most pastors take intentional steps to tread lightly for those first several months, maybe even years, before they believe they have the capital to spend on, well, speaking about harder things. Whenever I've felt that need to speak to something controversial, I find myself wanting to warn everybody. I say things like, friends, I need to step on some toes this morning. I might speak for one of you and say, well, preacher's gone from preaching to meddling. I can vividly remember saying things like this and watching my friend Mark perk up. It's not that he wasn't paying attention before, but when I'd make that statement, I'm going to step on toes, he'd start grinning. Well, friends, I may not have the capital or full trust with all of you as of yet, but I'm going to take a risk this morning and I'm going to step on some toes. Sometimes a pastor is so convicted in our study that we can't shake what we truly believe God wants to say to us. In the scriptures, we call that a prophetic voice. And that's prophetic, not pathetic. (laughs) A voice that is compelled to speak into the lives of God's people. So I am fully aware that at some point this morning, I am going to offend or annoy a good portion of us today. But hear me when I say this, I'm offending myself as well. This word is not for you, it's as much for me as anybody. So I'm going to have Beth put on the screen two images this morning that have blown up on our TV and computer screens throughout this week. Both of these images come from the same event, State of the Union Address. You all aware of this? The one, on, uh, the, the one on my right, your left, is uh, of the, the President of the United States, and well, actually both, President of the United States and the leader of our House of Representatives. One of those sh- shows a refusal to uh, shake a hand. The other one shows a ripping of, of into the speech that the President has just shared. Again, we're familiar with these images? 
Here's where the meddling begins, brothers and sisters. If one of these images offended and the other made you proud, then you have a problem. I don't care which one it was. If both of these images don't make you uncomfortable and sad for the state of our nation, then there is a loyalty askew. For quite a long period of time, we have been bombarded by images that have invited a behavior that is so ugly that I am tempted to call it demonic and evil. The social media noise is so loud that rather than logging on to check on families, vacations, and cute cat videos, we are more apt to jump into a political debate that makes the gunfight at the OK Corral look like a playground skirmish. CNN, Fox News, Super Bowl halftime shows, impeachment, guns, marches, Capitol grandstanding, noise, 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 and we jump in and we share things and we post and we divide and we conquer and we walk away feeling very self-righteous yet end up looking like whitewashed tombs. This has been the year of Mr. Rogers, a movie and an anniversary, and his words and actions are everywhere. We applaud him, we miss him, we quote him, but the kindness of his message is lost in the noise of our indignation. Mr. Rogers becomes another tool to use against them, whoever they might be, the folks on the other side of our opinions. Oh, opinions. My grandmother had a saying about opinions. It's not appropriate for the pulpit. But let's just say we become a society that lavishes in sharing our opinions on everybody else, whether they stink or not. So all of this brings me to this very famous passage right in the middle of Jesus' even more famous Sermon on the Mount. See, he is speaking to this mass of humanity that includes all the haves and all the have-nots. There are normal, everyday folks who are just captivated by this person of Jesus, and there are the political movers and the shakers. They've come to see if Jesus is on their side or not. And then there are the religious elite who want to make sure that everything is proceeding just properly. There are notorious sinners. There are saints who know they are sinners, and they are sinners who think they are saints. All gathered on a hillside to hear this amazing man. Jesus has finished talking about wealth and not being possessed by our very possessions, and then he moves to speak about anxieties and worries about the days to come. Oh, beloved, read the Sermon on the Mount. It speaks to us. But then here in this chapter 7, he pivots, and to me it feels like the sermon takes on a different flavor, a different note. Most of us grew up hearing it in the King James Version, even maybe with a little British flair. Judge not lest ye be judged. For what judgment ye judge, ye shall be judged. Sounds good that way, right? But Jesus, from that moment, continues on with the story that we heard in the scripture that had to, had to have added a comedic element to the moment. I used to wear contacts. And I got to tell you, there is nothing more irritating than getting a, an eyelash or a piece of dust on one of those contacts. It hurts like crazy. And Jesus says that a person who has that kind of irritation, a speck of dust doesn't need someone with an entire two-by-four plank sticking out of their head. The visual of that makes you make all of us go, <laughs> Instead, Jesus said, the one with the issue, the one with the plank of wood, should deal with their own stuff before going to help someone else's problems. Jesus says this is judgment, krino in the Greek. It means condemn. Someone who condemns isn't interested in anything else but somebody else's problems. 
A person of krino is someone who seeks out problems. They're fault finders. They're sin revealers. These are folks who have a voracious appetite for the real scoop, the real story, so that they can then have control or information. Condemnation comes from an angry or mean-spirited home. And I don't mean our four walls. I mean often the, the walls of our heart. It's often accompanied, this crino, with a tearing of the flesh, a sarks in the Greek, which is where we get our English word sarcasm from. When we condemn and when we are sarcastic or we tear at the flesh of somebody else, we are doing great damage. By the way, and this is free, sarcasm is not a spiritual gift. And a person who lives with the spirit of crino and judgment is one that Jesus calls an upocrite or a hypocrite. A hypocrite is an actor, someone who pretends. In this context of this passage, a condemning individual is someone who sets themselves up and pretends to be God. They're play acting. They're taking on a role that they were never designed to take. And to this, Jesus says, this is no way to be a part of my kingdom. This judgment and this hypocrisy is not the way of one of my followers. Some time ago, I was with a family member who was living a lifestyle that uh, was, was awful. They were violent. They were hurting a lot of folks in the wake of their own rage and anger. So I confronted this family member of mine and I told them, you know, your behavior is wrong. This family member shot back at me, well, here goes the Christian judging me. Your own Bible says judge not. See how well you pay attention to it. Now, for those of you who know me, um, I wanted to say a whole lot of things to this person. God's grace with me and I just zipped it. And in my quiet, when I calmed down, I had to ask myself, well, was I? Was I judging him? Was I condemning him? In all sincerity, I wasn't. I was calling out in him a, a harmful sin, something that was tearing him and others apart. See, scripture is very clear. You know what sin does? It's divisive. It's damaging. It's alienating. It can be done consciously or unconsciously. Throughout the pages of this book we call the scriptures, we see that sin is to be hated and never excused or taken lightly. In both testaments, we see men and women moved to speak into the lives of other people, warning them of sin and rebellion. In one of his letters, Paul actually tells the entire church to get involved, in, to get in the middle, to get in the, the yuck of two women who are having a squabble. They're going at each other. He tells them, Settle the dispute, church. In another section, he tells the church to stop taking conflicts, conflicts to secular judges on a bench. Instead, to let the church mediate. After all, he says, at some point, we're going to judge angels. Can't you take care of squabbles in your own family? But these instances aren't to be this crino style of judgment. They're to be invitations to discern and to assist. Notice that Jesus says, take the plank out of your own eye and then what? Help the other person. Not deal with your own stuff and walk away. 
One of the phrases that comes up a lot here when I share things like this is, well, Jim, we got to love the sinner but hate the sin. Can I just tell you I hate that statement? I hate it. Not because there isn't truth inside of it, but because when I hear it, it often just comes from this heart of crino, this hypocrite kind of place, not of loving assistance. See, my family member needed someone who loved him enough to say, you are on a path to destruction. Right here, right now. Not just some hellfire thing in the future. You're living in hell now. I didn't come to condemn, but to love them. There may be truth in that statement, love the sinner but hate the sin, but I can't help but think that Jesus might say something different. Might say something like, love everybody and hate your own sin. We didn't read it, but the verse after this passage is actually a discerning type of judgment. Don't give, to, don't give pigs your pearls. It's a statement of awareness that what is good and holy can only be given to people who, will, who, who can hear it, not to those who can't make sense of it. It's like arguing with a three-year-old. Neither of you will be satisfied in the end. Friends, that means a certain level of discerning judgment is required by the follower of Jesus. At the end of the book of Judges, there is this line that is a startling indictment on God's people. By this time in their story, God's people had taken possession of the promised land. All that had been given to them, including the instructions from God's very self for being a people, a kingdom of priests, was right with them. And after 400 years, there's this cycle that develops of faithfulness and then rebellion and then punishment and repentance and rescue. And then guess what? It all starts over again with rebellion. And the book of Judges ends this way with this statement. Everyone did that which was right in their own eyes. Here's a people who had been given everything they needed to be God's special possession for all the world, and they chose to swing to a place where all is fair, all is permissible. They had received absolutes on Mount Sinai, and over time, they chose individual preference. They compartmentalized God to their worshiping place in the sanctuary, and they lived a completely different other way. Think By the time of Jesus, the nation had moved from something of that nature to a place where rules and regulation and legalistic judgment was the norm. Things haven't changed that much over the years, have they? We're either on one side of the pendulum or the other, and yet it's Jesus who invites us to meet him in the middle, a place of holiness and freedom together. My friends, as followers of Jesus, we must do all in our power and through the Spirit's empowering to avoid the swing in either direction. Anarchy and a life with no absolutes, y'all, that's deeply broken and you know it. We know it. But so too is a superiority and a long list of commands and rules like modern Pharisees. Right judgment is the responsibility of every follower of Jesus. To walk with those who are committed towards holiness is the walk of faith. We gotta reject the sins of injustice and oppression as our vows stated a minute ago. We should have high standards of holy living. But you know where that starts? It starts with the person in the mirror. We should love until it hurts and then love some more. But the love that Christ invites us to is a a different love, a, a love that rejects the fake, culturally intoxicated sentimentality and physical love 
lusts that just surround us. I think in a culture like ours, Jesus' words, his invitation, it still stings. Condemn not. Don't play God. It won't work for you. Refuse to be a part of the noise that ramps up and divides. Words are so extremely powerful. They can build up. They can tear down. Opinions are the same. Powerful tools to encourage or condemn. Follower of Jesus. Be more than both of those. Be more like him. Young people, I'm so glad there are so many of you with us this morning for Scout Sunday. Learn from us older people, this older generation. Don't fall into the trap of only words. Don't let social media be your guide. It's a lot of crino and a lot of upocrete. And it won't do a thing to change the world around you. Those of us who aren't students, the vast majority in the room, remember who you represent. That others, some people around you, are looking at you to be an example of Jesus. Jesus wasn't and isn't a Democrat or Republican. Jesus, instead, is inviting a whole other kingdom that is far different than the divisions you and I find ourselves reposting, liking, and retweeting. This past week, your worship team gathered to talk about the worshiping life of Southern Hills. One of our members, John Wilson, commented on this series, and he said, you know, preacher, we ought to have a yep series, things the Bible does say that we forget. I got to tell you, his words convicted me in a beautiful way. So instead of judgment and love the sinner but hate the sin, let me end with this passage that is an absolute yep from God. Are you ready? Wake up. You ready? (laughs) Dear brothers and sisters, fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about these things that are excellent and worthy of praise. As God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourself with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. You know, friends, Lent is coming, and it might be a good time for many of us to take a break from social media for a while and remember who you and I are called to be. Let's not choose to add to the sin and the divide. Instead, let's do a nope, and then let's do a yep. Let's be more. Let's be more like him. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. I invite you to pray with me. Lord Jesus, I thank you for this day, and I thank you for even hard words that invite us to do some real soul-searching. God, where we have entered into the fray, forgive us. Where you've added to the noise, invite us to be more. Where we have joined the pendulum swing, Lord, invite us to step off and to step into something truly you. Holiness and freedom. 
God, I thank you for your presence with us here this morning. And I ask, oh God, that your spirit would be poured out upon each and every one of us so that as we leave this place this morning, we can truly be the church of Jesus. I ask all of this in the precious name of our Lord and Savior, the risen one, Jesus the Christ. And all who agree with it said, Amen. There may be some of us who uh, need to take a little time with this this morning. That's okay. There may be some of us who need to go and maybe mend some fences this week. That's okay. Church, this week, be more. Again, I invite you this week, let the world know that you are Christians. Let them see it. Not so much in a post, not so much in something of opinion or thought, but in how we live our very lives. I invite you to stand for the benediction. As you go this morning and as you go and prepare to be the church, may the love of God, God the Father, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, and the power of the Holy Spirit be in you, go with you, and be shared with everyone you meet. And until we gather again, grace and peace.